So we are on week three of Stuart Little. Stuart Little. And I want, I want to draw your attention to two passages of scripture. First, I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number four. And then you're going to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 25. My assignment today is going to be led by this subject topic, found faithful. God wants us that when he comes, we are found to be faithful. Father, speak to us. Challenge us by your word. Let your word grow us. Let your word propel us. Let your word change us. The truth is, God, I cannot do this without you, Lord. The truth is, God, Lord, I am impotent without you. But, Father God, when your spirit and your presence enters the life of any human being, you can use them for your glory to reach people for your glory. And so, Lord, with that in mind, I hide under your grace. And I ask you to use me once again, God. And I promise, Lord, that I will give you all of the glory. All of the glory is yours. In your name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read the first two verses. When you have it, say, I got it. Amen. I'll give you some time to find it. First Corinthians chapter number 4. That's in the New Testament. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts of the Apostles, Romans. And guess what happens right after that? What's next? Ay, bendito. We got Instituto 101. Okay. Well, it, it, it's in the early books of the New Testament. So make sure you turn on your Bible. Get your, I, I need everyone to get their Bibles because I believe this scripture is going to bless you even after the service. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 1 through and including 2. And I'm reading from the ESV version. And it reads... This is how one should regard us as servants, key word, as servants of Christ. Servants. Servants of Christ. Servants of Christ. Servants of Christ. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and, somebody say, stewards. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. It is required of stewards that they may be found faithful. Let me give you a context of what's happening in the time of this letter. The Apostle Paul writes the first letter of, of the, to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a church that was spiritual. It was spiritual, but irresponsible. The Corinthian church was, they spoke in tongues. Acts, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, they spoke in tongues. Matter of fact, he said, if I have the faith to move mountains, they had super faith. They were very spiritual, but they were very irresponsible. And God wants to usher us to a place where we are 
as responsible as we are spiritual. And so the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church who is in a dilemma. They were going through a crisis. The Apostle Paul, he writes to them in order to address some internal issues that were going, that was going on in the church. That will ultimately destroy the church in Corinth. One of the things that can destroy a church, even though it's full of the spirit, is when the church operates within the confines of division. Have you noticed that Lucifer was one of the most spiritual beings in heaven? Yet he divided heaven. One third of the angels left God in heaven. Not on earth, not in, in heaven. Lucifer was spiritual. Yet he operated under division and caused division in heaven. And when you look at the Bible, 1 Corinthians, there was a challenge going on in the church. There were some who would say in the church, I am of Paul. There were others who says, I am of Apollos. And there were others who said, not me, I am of Peter. Now, all three of these guys, Apollos, Paul, and Peter, were phenomenal leaders. They were powerful leaders. They were great preachers. They were great orators. They were great ministers of the Lord. But the church gravitated to specific people. And when division happens in the church, as spiritual as the church may be, it can cause crisis. It can cause challenges. So the first issue he tackled was the issue of division. He says, listen, this is not about Paul. This is not about Apollos. Which, by the way, he's throwing himself under the bus. Paul is saying, guys, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about Peter. It's not about Apollos. It's about us working together. Listen to me. New Birth Church is not about Gabby. It's not about Pastor John. It's not about Pastor Esther. It's not about Pastor Lewis. And this is what was going on in the church. Well, if Pastor Lewis comes to the pulpit, I'm going to get excited. I'm going to serve. I'm going to lead. I'm going to get involved. If Pastor Esther gets in the mic, I ain't going to serve. If Pastor Gabby gets no, 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 no. That's what was going on in the church. And Paul says, it's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Peter. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. So Paul tells them what they needed to do. Paul is telling them, y'all need to change your perspective by looking at leadership differently. Y'all need to change your ideology by looking at ministry from another perspective. And this is what he says. Instead of looking at leadership as apostles, as preachers, at, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I am your pastor. And I have to live a life. Worthy of the one who called me. And I have to give testimony in my life to those that follow. But you can't serve me. Because I am just as human as you are. If you step on my toe without me praying. If you cut me in the highway and I, I just, I, I barely pray that day. Paul is saying, we have to change this concept. 
We have to shift their mentality because as long as they keep thinking, Peter, Paul, Apollos, Peter, Paul, Apollos, Peter, they're not going to get it. So Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, this is how one should regard us, not as apostles, not as archangels, but as servants of Christ. And stewards of the mystery of God. And then he says, moreover, it is required that every, the first verse, he's talking about Peter, Apollos, and Paul, servants. The second verse, he's talking about servants, everybody. It is required that stewards be found faithful. So now, you must regard as leaders. As stewards and as what? Servants. In this scripture, we see three things I want to highlight. I only have eight minutes left. Oh, Lord. There's three things I want to highlight. Number one, there's a requirement based on 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Two, there's a kingdom. And three, there's a reward. I'm going to repeat it again. Number one, requirement, kingdom, and reward. So when I talk about requirement today, I want to talk to you. Because there's a requirement found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. The requirement is to be found faithful. The requirement to efficacy in your life is faithful. And I believe faithfulness is the key just like thankful and we sang about that just as thankfulness is the key just as humility is key just as contentment is key listen to me church faithfulness is a key in being good stewards this is why Paul saw it, said, he wrote, it is required. It's not a suggestion. It's not a preposition. It's not an option. It is required that stewards be found faithful. So notice, stewards have a requirement. Second, the faithful are found. What does that tell me? That God is on the search. God is looking for faithful people because he's looking for them. This tells me that there is a search going out there. As a matter of fact, the word required in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1, the word required in the Greek is the word zeteo, which this is what it means. To search or to look very intently for something. This word was the word that was used in legal terms to describe judicial investigation. And I remember when I used to live in New York, I was a court interpreter for family court, and I used to do investigations as well. And I remember that sometimes I worked in the juvenile rights division, and whenever, whenever a, a, a child was being abused, they would send me into the house, and I would have to investigate. So I'm knocking on the door, and as I'm going in the house, I'm looking. Cabinets, are they empty? Are they filled? Refrigerated, that food is in there. Uh, is the roaches in the house? Because I'm investigating. I'm not just looking at mom and dad. I'm looking at the environment. 
And when the Bible says, when the Bible talks about required, it is in that same context. God is requiring. He is seteo. He is investigating like, like a lawyer investigating a case. He's investigating those of us who he deposited the capacity to be stewards. Zeteo. And then the other word is the word found in that same verse is the word eurisco, which means to discover. So this God who is looking intently, who is looking meticulously, is in the business of discovering. So let, let, let me, let me, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2, let me put it in my terms so you can understand what the Bible says. My translation is, God is making a concentrated and thorough search and pursuit of stewards who are faithful. It's not speaking in tongues only. It's not jumping high. You know, no, no. God is look a concentrated and thorough search in pursuit of stewards who are faithful. Because God, listen to me, God wants to bless us. How many believe that? But before he taps us on our soldier for an, on our shoulder for a new assignment, you better believe God did his homework. Before God called you to the, you know, some people see us. Oh, wow, Pastor Gabby, look at me, the pastor. Oh, my God. Listen, before God put me in this thing, God was searching me. God was testing me. God was processing me. Please don't fall in the entrapment of thinking that I'm here because I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody that knew. No, no. God, God, God zetailed me. God was looking for me. He was observing how I responded to pressure. He was observing how I treat people. He was observing if I was faithful in the last assignment he gave me before I became a pastor. Listen to me. If we have the tendency to stay on track or we get distracted easily, distracted easily he was looking at all of those areas in your life. He takes everything into account. Because at the end of the day, he wants to know, are you faithful? So listen to church. Sometimes when you go through your struggles and your challenges, it ain't always the devil. God wants to know, can I handle him? Can I trust him with this? Or will he break? Or will she break in the middle of it? Because he wants to be a pastor of thousands. But he's not even faithful in pastoring two people in his whole group he quits when one person don't show up so, so sometimes God process us through the things we go through because how we maneuver things in this dimension will determine where God's going to take us in the next so he takes everything you go through he takes it into account because he wants to know are you faithful am I faithful why because Based on that, will determine where you will go. Now, understand this, church. That faithfulness always starts not with potential, not with qualifications, not that I feel I can do it. Faithfulness always starts with faith. It always starts with faith. Why? Because it's going to take faith to be faithful. God is not going to wing it and give you something too big to do just because he loves you. Listen, you know how many people God loves? God loves everybody. God don't give big things to people because he loves them. If that was the criteria, 
to give you big things, then everybody should have everything big. God loves everybody. For God so loved the But not everybody got in trust with certain things. Not everybody, God gives them the capacity to have certain functions. Not everybody, God gives the capacity to lead and to have certain influence. Because although he loves everybody, he loves all of his children. But he chooses some for an assignment and others for another assignment. And so my question to you is, what has God found in you? What has God found in me? And my prayer today is, in the next 53 seconds that I got left, I pray he finds faithfulness in us. I pray he finds faithfulness. Number one, there was a requirement. Number two, there's a kingdom. Understand, y'all, when you got saved, you got saved into the kingdom of God. I can't turn church to look like your culture. I can't make church look like your house. Well, in Puerto Rico, this is how we did it. Well, in the Dominican Republic, right before we had service, we had mango. <laughs> no. When you got saved, you got saved out of sin into the kingdom of God. So the rules of the kingdom are completely different from the rules of the world. It's different. And there is a kingdom. In Matthew 25, Jesus is sharing a parable that helps us understand what God is looking for, not what you want. What God is looking for. Matthew 25 is all about God's expectation for his servants in not your kingdom, in his kingdom. Look at the parable. Oh my God, I'm so hot. Can, can I take my time? My wife said no. So I'm gonna... Look at this. Jesus is going to give the parable of the talents. And in the parable of the talents, he is the master. And look what he says in Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. For it will, talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. For it will be like a man. That's him. Going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to the other he gave two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them and made another five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long, somebody say a long time. That's God giving us grace. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Beautiful. And he also 
who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents here. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over and enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what's yours. But his master said to him, answered to him, you wicked and slothful servant. Oh Lord have mercy. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at, and at my coming, I should have received what was mine, mine own with interest. So take the talent. Look what he says to the other two. Take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more. And he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast. Wow. What a, what a, what a, what a punishment. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Listen to me, church. We are part of a greater kingdom. And in this kingdom, we all have been given assignments. We all have been, giving, been given tasks. Every gift you have, God gave you. Every talent you have, God gave you. Every resource you have, God gave you. My pastor, I killed myself four years. I got my bachelor's. You didn't get your bachelor's. God gave you that bachelor's. Because had God not put your brain in your head to learn and memorize. No, no, no. Pastor, I got me the job. No. God gave you favor in the interview that got you the job. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me, young. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me, church. You are part of his kingdom. And God has given us the talents for us to fulfill the task God has given us. The assignment he has given us, you know what it is? Whenever God gives you something, is to protect and to expand what God has given you. That's our responsibility, to protect it. Don't let the devil take it. Protect it like it's yours, but to expand it for the kingdom. So this parable tells us that it is his ownership, but it is your stewardship. It is his right, but it is your responsibility. It is my responsibility. So God says, I gave one, five talents. One, two talents. And then the one guy, one guy, Dito, he's getting one talent. Well, before, before you feel bad for the guy, did you know that one talent weighed anywhere from 58 to 80 pounds? That was a lot of money. It is said that one talent was equal to 20 years of wages and a worth in today's currency is $1.2 million. Can you imagine? So don't feel sorry about this guy. This guy was a millionaire. God gave him $1.2 million. 
He gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. Talent was not only weighted in money, but that talent is also the capacity and the ability to produce something. So God said, here's 1.2 million. I believe in you to grow that 1.2 million. Because God doesn't give us stuff just because he loves us. He gives us stuff knowing that we have what it takes to multiply what he gave us. Everyone here has capacity. We're all expected to be productive with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. So God gave you time. He said, work it for me. God gave you talent. And he said, work it for me. God gave you treasure. God gave you resources. God gave you money. And he said, Work it for me because I'm going to give you what I believe you can steward. In this parable, Jesus is talking about himself. In this parable, Jesus is the master. Jesus tells us that he gave each talent according to the ability and Jesus went far away. Listen to me, y'all. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back... There's two things that are going to, many things, but two things are going to happen. The judgment of the white throne and the judgment seat of Christ. Let me explain the difference. The judgment of the white throne is where every single person who denied Jesus Christ as Savior, before God sent them to the lake of fire because God is just. So he's going to put everybody through, through, through trial. And he's going to ask those that rejected Jesus Christ, why did you reject my son? And in that judgment seat of the white throne, God is going to then officially condemn people into hell because they refuse Jesus Christ. But then you have the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment of the white throne, God the Father is sitting on that one. The judgment seat of Christ, Christ is sitting on that one. And you know what's going to happen when the rapture happens that we all got to heaven? While we're up there for seven years, we're going to go through the judgment seat of Christ. And Jesus is going to weigh everything we did here on earth. And based on what we did with what he gave us, he's going to reward us so that when we come back to earth, we're going to be in authority and leadership and in function. But if all you have... Listen... Y'all not supposed to go to heaven full. Y'all supposed to go to heaven empty. Empty. Every talent you have, you're supposed to empty it out here on earth. Every resource you have, you're supposed, you're supposed to go empty. Say, God says, you were faithful in the little. I'm going to place you in much. And the Bible says that the master went. He went, for, he went for a long time. But let me tell you, he gave them enough time to work the what he had given them. But listen to me, church. The master is coming back. Jesus is coming back and he's going to ask you, that gift I gave you to sing, that talent I gave you to be hospitable, the gift I gave you to preach my word, the gift I gave you to teach the kids, the ability I gave you to serve in the kingdom, it's been 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, what have you done? He's coming back, y'all. And when he comes back, he's going to take audit. He's going to take audit. He's going to hold you and I accountable. To every single thing 
he gave us. He has entrusted us possessions. But understand this, that none of our possessions belong to us. None of our possessions belong to us. I, listen, I have three kids. My daughter was singing, my son John, and my other son is in New York. Pray for him, he don't catch a pneumonia out there. And in my house, I have a four-bedroom house. Each one of my children had their own bed with their own television. The boys had X Xbox, PSP, their own closets with clothes. But God forbid my kids would tell me, I, I dreaded the day they would tell me, Papi, get out of my room. What do you mean, get? you ain't got no room. That's my house. And I lend you a room. That's my house. And I bought you those clothes. That's my house. And I bought the Xbox, and although I don't know how to play it, but listen to me. Nothing you have is yours. And that's how the kingdom of heaven works. We all know this verse. We all know this verse. The verse says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would tell you. Therefore, I'm going back to, to, to prepare a place so that where I am, you can be as well. And when we read that scripture, you think, you think that you're going to have a mansion. And you're going to have a 24-bedroom apartment. And you're going to have five jacuzzi. And say, no, 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 no. He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Because in the times of the Bible, remember, it, it, it was a patriarch system where the father father abraham remember that anyway, anyway so 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 my kids if i was in the times of the bible my kids lived in my house when gabrielle got married right when gabrielle got married gabrielle will ha will, li will stay in my house and i will make an extra room big enough for gabby and angel when Gabby and Angel had babies, my grandsons, Wynn and Cairo, then the father will build another room in my house for my grandchildren. And then when John John got married, then I will build a room for Diana and for John John. And when they had, Lord, when they have their kids, Lord, when they, Lord, 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 and when they have their kids, then, then, then I will make another room. So Jesus is saying, in my father's house, there are many rooms, many mansions, many mansions, many mansions. And I'm here to tell you today that you and I are children of God. And he has entrusted us with the things we have. So it's not your house. It's not your car. It's not your family. It's not your things. It is the master. The master. In his kingdom, God keeps close eye. And God recognizes those who have the ability to lead and to cover. So the question is, how confident will you be when your master returns for you? My God, I'm, John, you have to preach some other time. Listen to me, church. The master's coming back. And when he came back, the first one he found was the one with the five talents. He came up and he said, Master. All excited. Master, you gave me five. Here's another five. He doubled it. Same thing the second. The second servant doubled the amount that he was given to. And, and, then, and then the third servant's turn when he came. Let me paraphrase what the third servant told the master. He said, I know you. You're mean. 
And you expect us to do everything for you so you can get all the profit. So I decided I would just save it. I would just save it for you until you got back. So here it is. And the master, you know what he calls him? He calls him lazy and wicked, slothful and wicked. Listen to me, church. And this is where a lot of us get confused because we think, well, he's high, he didn't spend it. At least he didn't spend it. Right? Had, had he been some of us, we would have taken that 1.2. <laughs> we would have been buying Lamborghinis and we would have been buying cars and we would have been all over. At least, at least he didn't spend it. And for many people, this guy even looks responsible. But God called him wicked and slothful. Why? 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 Because the deal of this, of this gift was he gave him a job. He gave him responsibility. He gave him an assignment. What did he do that was so bad? Here's what he, do that, here's what he did that was so bad. Then instead of working what God gave him, he maintained what God gave him. Maintaining your gift doesn't mean you're a good steward. Listen to me, church. When you look at this parable, you see that God is not interested in people maintaining what God has given us. He wants us to work. That's what he said in Genesis 26. He told Adam, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. I didn't make all these animals just so you could have a, a, a zoo in your backyard. Work it. He called us to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. God is a God of multiplication. He is not a God of maintenance. He's a God of multiplication. Now there's a difference between maintenance and multiplication. One thing that God has spoken to me on so many occasions, even when I was tempted to coast through life, is, Gabby, you are not called to manage. You're not called to maintain. You're called to lead. Listen to me, church. That's why when you see God take me through journeys and processes that you don't understand, don't criticize, don't condemn. Because to whom much, listen, if you're faithful in the little, let me get to my point. Oh man, y'all hungry. Let me skip all this. The servants were not called to maintain, they were called to multiply. You know what this guy did? You know what this guy did? Este bandido. You know what he did? He said, he said, I know you're a harsh man and you expect something from where you ain't so. So here's what I did. I buried it. Let me tell you something. You only bury or bury, depending how you where you're from. You only bury dead things. The servant didn't plant. There's a difference between planting and burying. He said, I buried it. In his mind, it was dead. He said, I buried it. He instead of planting it, he did not expect to see growth, which is why he buried it. He did not prepare for growth. He didn't work for growth. So it is not enough that you wait. But the question is, how are you waiting? What are you doing as you wait? Because a byproduct of faithfulness 
is multiplication. Listen to me. If you really think about it, the servant who hid his talent represents a disciple which consists of playing it safe and achieving nothing. Now listen to me, church. I'm skipping all this. Listen to me. He said, well, I hate it because, you know, you know how it is. And, 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 and the master said, bro. I'm sorry. He, he don't say that. But he said, you could have at least taken my money and give it to the bankers. You could have at least taken my money and put it in the bank. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. The response of the master gives us a glimpse of his thought process regarding his expectation. He said, at least you could have put the money in the bank and collect interest. But he didn't even deposit the money in the bank. Talk about, talk about, talk about. If y'all know, y'all know. Talk about being a Jake. Why, why did the master get upset? Because whenever you deposit money, listen to me. See, this guy didn't like accountability. Because whenever you deposit money in the bank, you know what they do? They register it. There's a record. They give you a receipt, the date you deposit it, the time you deposit it, the amount you deposit it, and you got proof that it was deposited. But he didn't want no proof. He didn't want to be accountable to nothing. And he didn't want to be accountable to nobody. He lacked faith in his master. He didn't believe that his master would do what he said he would do because he thought it was worthless. Listen to me, church. There's a requirement. There's a kingdom. And I close with a reward. The other two servants, they were rewarded. With what were they? With what they were rewarded? A pay raise? Remember, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. In the world, you, you kill yourself at work, you get a pay raise. Right? But in this story, God didn't give them a pay raise. How they got rewarded? With a bonus? With a pension? No. The re listen to this. The reward for being faithful and carrying out their responsibility well, here it is, was more responsibility I'm going to say that again God paid them with more responsibility because they were listen to me, listen to me, listen to me listen to me, listen to me you know how many people why Pastor Gabby is pastoring New Birth and Calvario why is he doing that I ain't doing nothing I just understand there's power in being faithful. And I want to be faithful. It's not my fault that God found me faithful enough to give me something. I, I, listen, I didn't ask for that. But in the kingdom of God, God rewards faithfulness with more responsibility. And I have to be a good steward. So in the kingdom of God, the, the greater you are at serving, you know what God's going to reward you? More work. More influence, more leadership, more involvement. So if there's not been an increase and in you getting more work, you might be a slacker in ministry. If God is not entrusting you with more resources, you might be robbing God of your time. Listen to me, church. 
There's a fascinating parallel between spiritual laws and natural laws. And here's the truth. If you develop your muscles, your reward is that you're going to be strong and fit. But if you're lazy and you don't work out those muscles, you're going to lose muscles that your body has. If you lie in the bed and do nothing, atrophy will take over. And you will find that you'll be able to do less and less and less and less. So God is challenging us. Let us learn from the five, the guy with the five talents. Let us learn from the guy with the two talents. But let's learn more from the guy with the one. That at the end of the day, God may find us faithful. That's all I want. That God can say, Gabby, since 1989 I called you. What have you done? And when he opens the book, when he opens the book of everything I've done, despite of my imperfections, because I'm not perfect, despite of my challenges, my flaws, and my mistakes, and everything that I have, that he can say, good and faithful servant. So my prayer today is, church, that you can leave this place saying, Lord, whatever you've given me, I'm going to steward it for your glory. Whatever you've given me, I'm going to give it the best of what I have. And I'm not going to bury it because I only buried that things. I'm going to sow it so that I can see a return for your glory. So if you're here, friend, and you don't have Jesus in your heart, here's what you, here's what you can sow. Sow your heart. The heart he gave you. The life he gave you. The breath he's given you. Would you dare today say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my soul. I recognize I am a sinner in need of a Savior. If that's you, if you want to get saved today, every head, every head bowed and every eye closed, please. If you're in this room and you know you need Jesus, you know you need Jesus. You've been a bad steward with your life. You've done everything with your life and your body except serve the Lord. But God is coming back. And he's going to bring us to account. And he's going to audit us. And he's going to ask you, what have you done with the sacrifice I've made for you on the cross over 2,000 years ago? It starts today with the decision of saying, I decide, follow Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And you're going to raise your hand like a rocket to the sky. And you're going to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Unafraid and unashamed. Are you ready? I'm counting to three. Here we go. One, this is your day. Two, get ready, lift your hands. One, two, three, if you want Jesus. I see one hand. God bless you. I see two hands. God bless you. Three, God bless you. Come on, put those hands together. Put those hands together. In the house of the Lord. Now here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. Every hand lifted up. Take the next step. I promise we're leaving in three minutes. I promise we're leaving soon. Everyone that rose their hands. Do what I did. One Wednesday night, August 16, 1989. I was under a tent in the Bronx. And a preacher did the altar call like I did today. And I lifted up my hand. And I left my chair. And I came to the altar. I want to challenge you. That those of you that rose your hand come right now to the altar and bring your life to Jesus. 
come to the altar. Come right now. Ain't nobody trying to embarrass you. We're celebrating. Come on, church, celebrate. Church, celebrate. Come on, celebrate. 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 They're coming to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Curses are going to break today. Curses are going to break today. I hear chains falling right now. I hear chains falling. Chains are falling right now. Newberg, you know it is our custom that when somebody accepts Jesus, we all pray him in. We all pray him in. So those of you on the altar, loud and proud, I need you to repeat this prayer with me, all right? Say, dear Jesus, I heard your word. And I believe that you are God. And you have a plan for my life. You are my master. And I am your servant. I promise to serve you until the end. Wash me and clean me with your blood. Write my name in the book of life and seal me with your Holy Spirit. I am saved in Jesus' name.